0: Well, it's been said that everything rises and falls on leadership, but even though I I love leadership myself, even though I desire to be a great leader, I believe for us, everything does not rise and fall on leadership. I believe for us, everything, including leadership, rises and falls on purity, and it's purity that I want to talk to us about today. If you're new here, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here at Element Church, and just to clarify and get this out of the way, yes, my shirt does say, Porn Kills Love. It's from a great uh, online organization called Fight the New Drug, amazing ministry. Uh, check them out, but I, someone's going to ask me, so I thought I'd get that out of the way. For, for everyone who's with us today, including anyone who's joining us on video or in one of our video services later on today, uh, so glad that all of you are here. I do want to pause for a moment and just say thank you to the amazing volunteers who last Sunday made the first week of our four worship experiences go so well. Can we show some honor to our volunteers today? Absolutely incredible. Awesome. So thankful for our volunteers. Uh, You'll remember last Sunday, because of the weather, wasn't even an easy Sunday to attend, let alone to serve, and yet our, our volunteers just did a fantastic job. Adding this fourth experience now affords us the, the extra seats so that we can continue to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. That is our vision here. And I want to challenge us, continue to challenge us, As a church, with the extra space, let's keep on inviting people to come be a part of what God's doing here so that we can continue making this place a place to call home for all people. Amen? Amen, a place to call home. Today is week number two. Of a sermon series we're in called My Declaration, a challenge for men to rise up. It is born from a book that I wrote, and I am excited to announce the books are in. They are available to you today, so you get them early. They're officially releasing on Tuesday, uh, but if you pre ordered one, you can pick that up at the table out in the lobby on the left hand side is for pre orders. If you want to purchase one for yourself, uh, I would love for you to do that. Uh, purchase some extras to give away to people. At As well, you can do that on the right side of the table out there. Uh, I'm thrilled to make this available to you today. The book does target and focus kind of specifically on men, but as I've been saying throughout this whole process, the principles and practices we're looking at in the book, and really the way I'm communicating communicating them in this series, relate to all of us, regardless of our gender. Last week, we kicked it off by talking about how we finish what was started in us, to, that, that we don't settle in, in the, the past, our pain, or our present circumstances, but we rise up to finish what was started. Starting something is simple. It's finishing that makes us strong. But once we decide to rise up and finish what was started in us, once we set out on a course to overcome our past, our pain or our present circumstances so that we live in God's purpose for our lives, once we do that, the very first thing we face in our path is purity or lack thereof in our lives. Nothing will derail The pursuit of God's purpose in our lives more than impurity. In fact, our big idea for today kind of speaks to that. It's on the screens if you want to write it down, and it's this. The progress you make in your purpose is directly linked to the purity you choose to pursue. The progress you make in your purpose, whatever it is, you're rising up in your life to finish. that, That thing you're not going to settle in or settle for any longer, the progress you make in your purpose is directly linked to the purity you choose to pursue. Now, in the book, I focus much more on sexual uh, purity, uh, and I'm not going to go into that as much today in in this sermon. Uh, In the book, I share my own uh, story of failure in the past, uh, the forgiveness and freedom that God's given me from uh, that today, uh, a game plan of how to win in sexual purity and how we can get aggressive against that in our lives, but I'm not really going to go there today. The principles, though, are the same. The principles in the book and in the sermon are the same for any sin or any act of impurity in our lives, not just sexual immorality. And listen, I understand that that when I use the word purity, especially as it relates to sexual purity, there might be some people who automatically start tuning me out, (laughs) So, so don't tune me out, okay? Don't, don't tune me out. You might be here today, and I'm, I'm thrilled if this is you. You might be here today, and you don't believe in God, or, or you don't believe uh, uh, about God the same thing I do in what he expects from us in our purity. And so, so if that's you, you, you might hear the word purity, and you automatically start thinking, well, here, here he goes, another pastor just telling us what we can't do trying to keep us from, from pleasure in our lives, trying to keep us from having, having fun, right? And I, and I get it, to, to, to the most extent, I, I get it. I know that when we preach on things like this, it can sound like God's trying to keep things from us, trying to limit pleasure in our lives. He's, he's holding out on us, but that's just not true. When it comes to purity, this is important, God is not trying to keep us from pleasure, When it comes to purity, he's trying to unleash pleasure in us. And here's why. This is huge. True pleasure is not the opposite of purity. That's what the devil wants us to believe, but it's not true. True pleasure is not the opposite of purity. True pleasure is the outcome of it. That's where true pleasure comes from. That God will only call us to pursue What is most pleasurable and profitable in our lives? So if God calls us to purity, it is the most pleasurable, profitable thing for my life. Now, okay, I know where someone's already thinking. Does that mean that if we pursue pleasure outside of God's design, it's not going to feel good? Should I even answer that question? Like, yes, yes, it will feel good. Sin always feels good. Always, sin is fun, right? Someone's thinking, this is a trick question, I know it. I'm not gonna answer, like, nah I'm not saying anything right now. Sin is fun, your pastor just said it. Sin is fun. Anyone who tells you sin isn't fun isn't doing it right. (laughs) Right? Like, it's fun, it's exciting, it's exhilarating, it feels good for a moment and then it's gone. And the only thing that remains is darkness, shame, guilt, condemnation. And the only way to get that feeling, to get that feeling back is to sin again and again and again and again. It never satisfies. It never fulfills the way we think it will or the way Jesus has designed us to be fulfilled. So from the very first sin in the Garden of Eden, God gave us a command to be pure. And we've been chasing pleasure ever since. It's the human condition that we're all born with. So church and men in the room, I believe there is no greater time and no greater need in our history than right now for us to rise up and get our purity back, for us to rise up and take what God intended for our lives and start living it out with some God-empowered intention in our lives. Did you know that we already have everything we need to live a pure life? It's already been given to us. Do you realize that? In the book of 2 Peter, in the New Testament, the Apostle Peter, chapter 1, verse 3, says this. This is an amazing verse. By his divine power, God has given us, what does it say? Yeah. Everything we need for living a godly or a pure life. We've received all of this by coming to know him. So by faith in Christ, I've been given everything I need to live a pure life. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Isn't that awesome? I'm so thankful that God has given us what we need. Because trying to live in purity without the power of God only results in frustration and disappointment. But the power of God, listen, is not all we need. I know somebody's thinking heresy, right? And here's why. The power of God's pointless unless it partners with the right pursuits I put in my life. I've got to pursue the right things. That the progress you make in your purpose is directly linked to the purity you choose to pursue. So the big question today is this. How do we pursue purity in our purpose? How do we pursue purity in our purpose? The main scripture is Genesis chapter 39 verses 6 through 12. So Genesis is the very first book in the Old Testament portion of the Bible, very first book of the Bible. If you got your Bible turned there, if not, it's all on the screens. If you don't own a Bible, ask for one at guest services and we'll give you one as a gift today on your way out. Here in Genesis 39, it's important to know that we're going to see a part of the story of a man named Joseph. Now, a lot of us might know the story of Joseph by the coat of many colors he received, right? But his story is so much greater than a stylish jacket his dad got him. I hope we understand that. It goes way, way deeper than that. Joseph was one of 12 brothers that were born to his father, Jacob. It says in Genesis chapter 37 that Jacob loved Joseph more than his other children, that Joseph was the clear favorite okay that's bad parenting advice but it's true nonetheless Jacob did not hide who his favorite was I think in every family children wonder who the favorite is I know in my family my kids ask all the time and so I'll just let you know my favorite child's name ends with a h all of them do if you don't know needless to say Joseph's brothers hated him that hatred only compounded when Joseph came to them and said, God gave me two dreams. And these dreams indicated that one day his brothers and his whole family would bow down before him. Joseph believed that was. Somehow, someday, God's purpose for his life. Well, this infuriated his brothers. They actually threw him into a pit to die. They had second thoughts, pulled him out of the pit, sold him to some slave traders who took Joseph all the way to a foreign country called Egypt, and they told his dad that wild animals killed him. So next time your kids have sibling rivalry, it could be worse, right? could be worse. The Bible tells us that he ends up in a house of a man named Potiphar, who was the captain of the guard for the king of Egypt. Uh, The Lord blessed Joseph and blessed the house of Potiphar. In fact, everything Joseph did for Potiphar succeeded, and that leads us to our main scripture. Genesis 39, 6 through 9 says this. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing, except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Sounds so familiar to my own life. (laughs) You did not have to laugh so much. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded, but Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He's held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against who? Against God. A great sin against God. The progress you make in your purpose is directly linked to the purity you choose to pursue. So... How do we pursue purity in our purpose? The first thing I see here in the life of Joseph is this. Number one, I need to recognize what I'm after. i got to recognize what I'm after. That last statement Joseph made is so powerful. I'm going to look at it again. Joseph said this, How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. In that last statement, I believe Joseph revealed his ultimate desire. And his ultimate desire was not to please Potiphar, although he wanted to. His ultimate desire was not to please Potiphar's wife who was offering herself to him. His ultimate desire was not even to please himself. Joseph's ultimate desire was that he would please the Lord. He recognized what he was after. He was after the Lord. He was pursuing his God. I believe Joseph knew what we need to understand as well, that in order to pursue God, I cannot pursue sin at the same time. They are mutually exclusive endeavors. That the moment I start pursuing sin, I have stopped pursuing God. And the moment I start pursuing God, I have stopped pursuing sin. Now, that does not mean I will never have the opportunity to sin. We see that right here in this story of Joseph where, where Potiphar's wife literally throws herself at him. It also does not mean I will never sin again. In the story of King David in 1 Samuel uh, chapters 11 and 12, or 2 Samuel 11 and 12, we we see how, how David, given a similar opportunity, gave in to that opportunity, and literally it wreaked havoc in his life and his descendants' lives for generations based on the one sin that he committed. But Joseph, he understood, I can't pursue God and pursue this sin at the same time he recognized what he was after he was after the Lord so listen listen until we understand how our impurity offends God and how it affects us we will never feel obligated to turn from it ourselves but when I understand what my impurity does to the heart of God I recognize what I'm after. I'm after the Lord. Pursuing God was Joseph's first and ultimate priority. What's mine? What's yours? The progress you make in your purpose is directly linked to the purity you choose to pursue. So how do I pursue purity in my purpose? I got to recognize what I'm after. And listen, when I do and when When Christ is my ultimate priority, these next two things are just going to naturally follow, okay? So verse 10, story continues, says this, she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. So the second thing I got to do to pursue purity is this, I've got to refuse to even get close Refused to even get close. The reality is, opportunities for sin find us. Do they not? It finds us. Like, we don't have to go looking for sin. Sin's already looking for us, right? That's just how, how life is. Even in this story, Potiphar's wife kept pressuring him day after day to have sex with her, but he kept out of her way as much as possible. He refused to even get close. So, church, when the opportunity for us to sin is already seeking us out, why in the world would we set ourselves up for more opportunities by choosing to get closer to it ourselves? We've got to refuse to even get close. As much as it is within our power, we are, if we're going to pursue purity, we've got to refuse to even get close to sin. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, King Solomon writing this, what we are told is the wisest man who ever lived says this, verses 7 and 8, so now my sons, listen to me, never stray from what I'm about to say, st- st- what I'm about to say, stay away from her, speaking of immorality, don't go, what's the word, near, don't go near the door of her house that's what joseph actually did you think think about it every day every day his own job brought him to a place of temptation So so no doubt every day he had to rearrange his daily obligations, reorganize his day, reset his routines. It was probably uncomfortable, inconvenient, awkward, and annoying. But if he was going to remain pure, he needed to refuse to even get close to sin. He had to establish extreme boundaries. He put up the highest standards for his life because he did not want to get close, if he could, to sin. Yet, when I look at Christianity as a whole today, especially in our very comfortable, spoiled American Christianity, when I look at that, it seems like we want to be as close to sin as we possibly can without actually being in sin Instead of being as close to Jesus as we possibly can, who will never lead us towards sin? There are sometimes in our faith, there are sometimes, I think we choose to do things that probably are not sin, but when it comes to our spiritual lives, they are just downright stupid. They're stupid. How much we flirt with the line of sin. In fact, it reminds me of a video that I saw online. I figured there'd be some tension in the room, so I want to break it up a little bit. I want to show you this video, but I'll warn you, if you're afraid of snakes, you might want to close your eyes, or you'll have nightmares like I've had for the rest of the week. (laughs) Check out this video. In this fishing video, a man is sticking his head underwater and yanking fish out of the mud bed with his bare hands. But something goes wrong. I would have been that dude running down the thing. <laughs> like, Bye, Felicia, I'm gone. Like, get me. That guy just took off running. That thing was real. That snake's, uh-uh. Uh-uh. Now listen, okay, here's what that reminds me of. Whenever we choose to hang around sin, why are we shocked when we get bit? Why are we shocked when we're just flirting with the line of sin? The progress you make in your purpose is directly linked to the purity you choose to Pursue. So how do I pursue purpose and purity? I've got to recognize what I'm after. That God, if if you're my ultimate priority, then I will refuse to even get close to sin. Yes, sin's going to find me. It will pop up around every single corner. But as long as it's within my power, I'm going to be as close to Jesus as I possibly can. Because he won't even take me close to the line of sin. Then verses 11 and 12, the story continues. One day... No one else was around. Notice the opportunity was perfect. No one else around when he went to do his work. She came now, and she's, she's going for it. She grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, Joseph, sleep with me. Like, literally no one would have known. Joseph, Joseph was a slave. He had no rights of his own. Like, just have some fun for once, Joseph. Joseph. Joseph tore himself away, but left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. is that powerful? The, the easy point here would be to say we should run from temptation. And it's true, we should. Like, we're going to be tempted. Even if we have, do everything in our own power not to be, we are going to be tempted. And we should run from temptation. But I think it's much deeper here. Notice Joseph doesn't just run away. He runs away leaving his cloak in her hand. That means, at best, he was running away in his underwear. At worst, he was running away butt naked. So, here's what that tells me the third thing we gotta do to pursue purity we gotta resolve to do whatever it takes. Resolve to do whatever it takes. Joseph ran out of the house in his underwear. How foolish did that look? Did did other people see him running away? Listen, this is so huge. Joseph was willing to look like a fool in order to remain faithful to the Lord. So what am I willing to do to remain faithful? If we are going to break free from the grips of sin, if we are going to, to run from impurity in order to pursue purity in our lives, yes, we need the power of God. And I am so thankful that by the power of Jesus and his Holy Spirit, we have the power to do that, but we, we also have to resolve to do whatever it takes. We're gonna be willing to look like fools sometimes in order to remain faithful to, the Lord, And when we do this, listen, when we do this, there are some people, even some Christian people, who will not understand the standards you've put in your life. They will not agree with the boundaries you've put in place. They will think your safety measures have gone too far. But that's okay, church, because our goal is not to please people. Our goal is to please the Lord. So we will recognize what we're after. We're after the Lord. We're not trying to walk as close to sin as we can. We're trying to walk as close to Jesus as we can, so we'll refuse to even get close. And in the process, we will be willing to look like fools in order to remain faithful to the Lord because we have resolved to do whatever it takes. And don't think, by the way, that it just got easy for Joseph when he did this. Like, things got worse. This is one of the reasons I believe the Bible is true. Because if it was made up, we would make the end of the story all roses and rainbows. But that's not what happened. Like, Potiphar's wife accused Joseph of rape and had him thrown into prison, where he went for years. In prison, Joseph remained faithful to God. God blessed him while he was in prison. He gave him an opportunity to interpret dreams of two different people. So in in interpreting those dreams, God opened the door years later for him to go into the, the palace of Pharaoh and interpret two dreams that God gave Pharaoh. Those two dreams... Through the interpretation of Joseph revealed that a seven-year famine was coming to the land. Pharaoh was so impressed by the wisdom and ability of Joseph, he actually put Joseph second in command of all of Egypt. It was Pharaoh and then Joseph, the former slave. And Joseph, through his wisdom, prepared Egypt for the famine. When the famine affected the whole region, Egypt was prepared. Meanwhile, back where Joseph was from in his hometown, Jacob and his family was out of food. So Jacob sends Joseph's brothers to Egypt to beg for food. And where would his brothers end up? In the court of Pharaoh, bowing before Joseph, begging for food, thus fulfilling the dreams Joseph had, told them earlier, fulfilling the purpose for his life. Joseph revealed who he was. He embraced and forgave his brothers. He brought his whole family to Egypt where they were spared and the rest, they say, is history. There's one verse, not in this passage but in the book of Psalms, that stands out to me about this story. When I first was challenged by this, it, it wrecked me. Psalm 105:19 says this, until the time came to fulfill his dreams or his purpose. The Lord tested Joseph's character. So in the pit where he was thrown, in Potiphar's house where he was a slave, in prison where he was bound, and in the palace where he would end up, every step of the way, God was testing the character of Joseph. And for Joseph, the progress he made in his purpose was directly linked to the purity he chose to pursue. I believe you could legitimately say that Joseph may have never ended up in the palace where he saved his family if he wasn't pursuing purity in his purpose, never would have made it. So the progress you make in your purpose is directly linked to the purity you choose to pursue. And I would just ask you, where are you at in your pursuit of purity? Where are you at? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes, if you would. With a message like this, I know there are a number of different people in the room that needs spoken to. The first is the person who's doing great. Like you're living in victory. You are allowing God to give you everything you need and utilizing that power to pursue purity. You're walking as close to Jesus as you can. You're not letting your guard down. You're not apologizing for your standards or your boundaries. And I would just encourage you, keep it up. Keep it up. The scripture warns us, pride comes before the fall. So don't let your guard down. Don't ever let up. Continue pursuing purity in your purpose. But then there's the person who you've put your faith in Christ, but you've, you've crossed the line or you're inching right up to it. Maybe you're headlong into some kind of sin or impurity. I don't know. I, I, just, I know there are people in this room. You need to know that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, there is no sin God cannot forgive. There's no stronghold so strong he can't break. There are no chains so powerful he cannot overcome. There's no pit so deep he can't pull you out of. You might need some help. Yes, you might need counseling even. I would say you definitely better be in a group, have some accountability in your life. But for now, you might just need some healing in your heart. And there's healing for every sin under the sun. Every sin. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness, all impurity. So that might be where you need to start. Just asking God to forgive you for what you've done. Putting these principles and practices in place and getting some help. Okay, If you, if you want to talk about getting help, talk to us. We will find you help in overcoming your sin. But... The last person is the person who hasn't even put their faith in Christ yet. You might be here and you'd love to pursue purity, but you've never received faith, grace, forgiveness by faith in Christ. And if that's you, I want you to know, Jesus, he died for our sins, your sins and mine. He came in the form, God came in the form of a man, Jesus He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross, a death that we deserved. He rose from the dead three days later, and now by faith in him, we can be forgiven. We can have new life today so that we're able to live for him and with him, and we'll have eternal life forever in heaven. If you wanna receive forgiveness for your sins today, I would just ask you to say this prayer. If you wanna put your faith in Christ for the very first time, say this prayer just silently in your heart to God. Father in heaven, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for my sins and rose from the dead. So Jesus, I give you me, everything I've ever done, all my sins, I confess them to you. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me by the blood that was shed on the cross. Fill me with your power to live for you. I'm turning from my old life. I'm repenting of that. I'm pursuing you in my new life. Help me to live for you every day. Help me pursue purity in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. I will now do my best to love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you prayed to receive Christ, I would love to know about it. You're among family. Many of us have prayed that very same prayer in our own lives. If you just prayed that prayer Would you please slip up your hand and leave it up and say, yeah, Pastor Jeff, that's me. I just asked Jesus into my heart. Would anybody say that today? Just ask Jesus. Praise God right here. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Welcome to the family. Anybody else say that? I just asked Jesus into my heart. All right. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, whether you raised your hand or not, you are now a part of God's family. And we would love to celebrate with you and even help you in that. If you'd mark on a connection card that you put your faith in Christ and then pick up a 21-day devotional. They're free. We wrote it for you out at guest services. Ask for a 21 devotional. If you don't got a Bible, we'll get you one as well. It's the best decision you'll ever make. It's the hardest one you will ever live out. And we want to help you in that. Also. Don't forget about baptism, okay? If you want to be baptized, sign up at Next Steps Wall. Uh, if you just put your faith in Christ, this is your next step. We'd love to be a part of your life in this. It's crucial to your growth in Jesus. I love you guys. Let me pray for you. And then if you remain still, I've got a few closing remarks. God, you are so good. You're so good. Your word tells us you are faithful and ready to forgive. Thank you. Lord, I know in my own life the power of forgiveness and the power of freedom to live for you. God, help me, help us pursue purity in our purpose. That we recognize what we're after, that we refuse to even get close, and we resolve to do whatever it takes. God, we love you and give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.